So every single point is like a single atom for me. And connecting with a, with a particle effects, especially using this point cloud with particle effects, it's basically like playing God with reality, you know, taking atoms, this, the, changing them, creating um, new things. And uh, yeah, it's, I've been so fascinated by that. So that's why I started doing this. Uh, NERF was a really interesting development. But the, the issue with NERF was that it was extremely hard to work with with the real-time engine especially because you know i'm not just doing rendering simply but i, I like to create like particle system very dynamic thing they had so many advantages though compared to point clouds because you had like reflections you could do that and gsplot it's something that came out not long ago they are extremely easy to uh manipulate in the real-time engine so that's why i started you know taking my mm. libraries for point clouds and applying that to Gsplot and uh, and they basically work. Welcome to a new episode of XR and AI Spotlight, the show where we give the stage to creative technologists, entrepreneurs and innovators who are pushing the boundaries at the intersection between XR and AI. My name is Gabriele Romagnoli, I'm your host and I'm here today with Ruben Frosali, aka Ruben Fro. He is a visual effect artist and director with over 16 years of experience, specializing in volumetric capture, pond clouds, and large particle-based dynamic environments. In 2018, he started focusing on immersive content, producing real-time art installations that were exhibited around Japan, Taiwan, and New Zealand as well as music video and commercials featured in festivals and events around Europe and Asia. He is currently head of cinematic at Jadu AR. He worked on a cinematic trailer for the AVA collection, an NFT collection of 3D avatars produced in collaboration with the renowned Hollywood director Michael Bay. Join these episodes to learn how his background as a developer made him the skilled technical artist he is today the tools and workflow to capture reality, why choosing Unity over Unreal for professional VFX, and how Point Clouds, Nerfs, and Gsplats unlock new creative opportunities. But before we get into it, I wanted to thank the sponsor for today, Cognitive3D, who made this episode possible. Cognitive3D is an analytic platform to improve how organizations can analyze user behavior in VR and AR and turn the findings into actionable insight. Cognitive3D has an handy SDK that integrates easily in Unity and Unreal. Data are collected and displayed in 3D contextually to help you improve user engagement and retention. Whether you are designing training or simulation, running consumer research, or creating games and entertainment content, Cognitive3D will change the way you track and learn from your data. Head to Cognitive3D.com to learn more. And now, let's roll the title and welcome Ruben on stage. How did your interest for particles and VFX started? It's hard to say. I mean... Uh, you know, I'm a developer. I used to be a developer mostly uh, in before 2018. I was doing apps, 
but I still had this uh, push to, you know, to pursue to create art. And, uh, you know, I, I was doing mostly photography and uh, video making. But then, um, you know, when I started in 2018 uh, with a couple of friends, this uh, project, it was like an uh, interactive installation on photogrammetry and point clouds. And uh, we were so interested in this kind of technology. So I started going into that to, you know, to, to create something to uh, real time uses and i you know i absolutely loved how you know point cloud and photogrammetry worked um you know it's basically about capturing reality in a way so it's not as uh, it's just a simple photograph or a video but it has this um, pure in a way aspect that you can capture like reality as it really is because all the process of capturing and uh, yeah, we have photogrammetry or point clouds. So every single point is like a single atom for me. So I've been so fascinated by this kind of, uh, to think about this in, in this way. And connecting with the, with the particle effects, especially using this point cloud with particle effects, it's basically like playing God with reality, you know, taking atoms, this, changing them, creating um, new things and, uh, yeah, it's, I've been so fascinated by that. So that's why I started doing this. And, you know, I remember stumbling upon on you uh, on your work when it was around 2018, 2019. Um, indeed, that was the moment that uh, photogrammetry became kind of accessible because you could really just uploading a bunch of pictures, putting them out. And there was that many people, there was that pursuit for realism. Uh, the fact mm -hmm. that you want that same specific object, that specific place. But then the moment that as part of the pipeline, one of the things you do is that you get those data and the first thing that is created is a point cloud, right? And then after that, yeah, mesh. And yeah. Then I think you, you are right, is that purity of those mm -hmm. points where you're not hang up by the exact shape, but but what they mean, you see, you you see beyond the power. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically, I mean, you know, it's so interesting. As you said, you know, photogrammetry usually. It's about you know capturing first because the process of photogrammetry capturing um, a location with different photos uh, from different points, and then you process those photo to create a three D uh, model. It basically is the raw point cloud that I use. Usually at the time when I started doing this, people uh, mostly that were doing using these as a you know byproduct. So after the raw point cloud, you get the mesh because you you want to have a clean image. Uh, the mesh is an abstraction i think i think of the points because you create something um that is easier to manipulate i guess to visualize as well but the raw raw points are so fascinating because the process of photogrammetry capturing a different photos uh, of a location processing those photos and so the computer then the, the software analyzes all these photos and really he put a point where it actually is you know it's not just, uh, uh, it, and then of course, after that, you know, even trying with LiDAR, especially I had, a, you know, the, the opportunity to use LiDAR scanners, uh, big with LiDAR scanners. And it's so fascinating to capture data because it feels like, uh, I don't know, it's more tangible in a way, it's reality. So, and as you said, yeah, I mean, I mesh are perfect usually, and I don't like it that much to have 
perfect meshes. So that's why. You know, Ruben, yeah. what we should do, I think, we should show a short clip of what we're talking about. Because I think otherwise it's very hard to grasp. We're talking about point clouds and art and VFX. Uh, how does that really look? So let me show some short clips of some incredible project that you worked on in the past that people can sure. get a sneak peek. Taking a print with fish from jaws. I'm lifting off, get so high, get kissed a lot. Don Carleon, I've been a boss, and I made back with the ceiling off. Hold up, hold up. Hold up, hold up. You cannot make this shit if you're a fraud. So, I mean, where do I start? Like, <laughs> what is out of this this is just the tip of the iceberg out of the many projects you have worked on what is the one you're most proud of yeah it's hard to say you know uh this i really love this because they're mostly what actually um push me forward uh you know to keep doing visual effects and uh point, working on point clouds especially you know the first one the solving realities vietnam the the scene in the streets um <clears throat> it's something that i captured just before the pandemic uh in in hanoi and i i was working with a 360 camera and at the time before that i was doing the interactive installation for a couple of years but mostly my day job was you know developer app developer and these kind of things no visual effects like professionally and uh, let's say this this solving reality was really interesting because uh, kind of put me on a map you know about you know this kind of uh, volumetric point cloud dissolving worlds and uh, i found this especially meaningful because i was in a kind of a, a particular time in my life in hanoi recording things recording the streets came back to japan the the world changed basically everything closed down with the pandemic and that's why i decided okay let's top what I'm doing now and let's try to do this uh, full time, like really focusing on this. So I took the, all these videos that I captured in, in Hanoi and uh, and built these. And, uh, you know, especially in the first uh, sequence of the dissolving realities, Vietnam, you can hear the sounds like crashing, the beats, the, the, the noise. This is, was actually also like the point cloud data loaded as a wave file, audio wave file, and then edited together. So basically, I took the raw idea of raw points and turned it into sound as well, and then into these uh, these images folding of these 
treat just before the pandemic. So I have so we, many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> so, no, look, I want to, uh, one thing is usually we have creatives that are trying to learn technical skills to become better creatives. In your case, it sounds like it's the other way around. You started with a technical background and moved to become an artist. How was that? Usually that's not what I hear. I've always been kind of artist in a way, but not like I've never called myself and I even consider not. I mean, I have a hard time calling myself an artist right now uh, because it's something that I felt kind of somewhat abstract in a way, kind of. So I've, I've always called myself more on as a designer kind of like technical artist in a way. But um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, it's it's used everywhere, this kind of, of sentence between art and technology and this working on both sides. But it's true. I mean, I've always been interested in the how things work and how to build things. And I think there is this artistic aspect in building things. So when you build stuff, you, you feel like the need to build something, even if it's, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, it is art. And um, yeah, I started as a developer, developing, learning tools, and then I just found the right um medium i guess you know the computer graphics but not just that because i was doing some 3d art before but not like uh, uh, really into it but uh especially with photogrammetry volumetric content and this kind of um yeah new media in a way it really clicked everything worked together so yeah. so before before i I want to ask you a little bit of a high-level workflow, but before that, I think that there is one aspect that people often miss, and that is the sound that you just mentioned. So the power and how that fits and flows within the story. How do you do yeah. that? I, you know, I've always loved making music. I was doing music when I was like sixteen in a band, and then doing electronic music by myself, and then releasing some stuff. So when I, whatever I do, like a video or an nft collection i have worked before or anything i just feel the need to like feel this uh, the music because it's mm -hmm. i cannot just be like a visual uh, person i have to do both in a way i cannot and it, it just matches so well and um, because i really need to feel the music for uh, a specific species so and um, you know sometimes i compose parts I layer samples, I record samples from the places. So usually for this kind of uh, like the first uh, dissolving realities or other similar, more documentaristic, let's say, um, videos, I try to use as much as, you know, uh, recording from the place and then the data itself. So I'm trying to read the data and uh, interpret it, you know, change the data to become sound. The, so, the, the point out data, yeah. Why don't we maybe high level, like try to find the right balance? And can you explain us a little bit? What is your workflow? How do you capture the data in the first place? How do you turn them into clouds? How do you make them dissolve uh, and recompose? Can you maybe give us a run through? Yeah. So right now, I mean, it's changing completely. Now it's getting much, much easier to capture uh, uh, volumetric content, especially now there are good apps to do that. There are There is just Splat and uh, Nerf and so many technologies. But when I started back uh, years ago, uh, it was about photogrammetry. So photogrammetry was just about, you know, going into some place, 
and capturing uh, photos. I was doing videos. And at first I was doing videos with, from 360 cameras. So I was capturing uh, uh, in a very short amount of time, very, uh, the streets, I was mostly doing streets. So that's why the, the Vietnam scene, for example, has all the people there because it, I was just walking fast with a 360 camera. But um, yeah, right now I'm using a um, Sony camera, different kind of setup, but it's mostly the same thing about capturing things in motion, uh, moving through a space. Then I processed those, um, this, that footage uh, for uh, point clouds um, uh, with software, like there are so many, but uh, Reality Capture is one, and um, I'm using MetaShape. There are apps as well, like Luma Labs that I'm using as well for GSplats. And uh, after that, you, you end up with a point cloud. It is basically a representation of the scene in 3D where all the points are placed and you have the colors and uh, uh, the direction of the points and all the yeah, whatever defines the scene. And um, to render those points, uh, I'm using Unity. And what I did was over the years building, um, I built a, a library of a 3D effects and um, to, to render point clouds and to create effects with point clouds. So I have a huge library of effects and it's all managed by Shader. Shader is basically that part of coding that uh, tells the graphic card how to render points on the screen. So all my effects, they are basically coming from these shaders and I can connect them together and create this kind of dissolving worlds. And um, yeah. And what, about the, and what about the sound part? Because you mentioned that you feed mm -hmm. the spatial data yeah. and you get sound out of it. Yeah, sometimes yes, because sometimes, you know, you can read like, um, um, any file, you can try to read any file with um, as raw data in a audio processing software. And you end up with something that is mostly noise, but you can find through filtering, um, or through slowing down and filtering, smoothing and doing this kind of processing. And that is basically, I, I feel like, you know, going, in, it's digital, but it feels very analogish in a way because you go there and you, you stretch it, you, you destroy, you push it together. Um, so I, I kind of load this, kind, this point cloud data into a audio processing software. I start playing with that, slowing down parts that I like. So basically I'm using those as sample for the audio. And it's a kind of a crazy process. It doesn't make much sense, but, uh, it's abstract enough that you can turn it into so many different things, I guess. Interesting. And you also mentioned that all of these, this library is something that you built in Unity. Yeah. Now, when I usually hear about VFX, usually it's Unreal. True. Is there a specific reason why you have picked Unity over Unreal for your VFX work? True. I guess, you know, I've lost even good opportunities because I was using Unity instead of Unreal because all the, you know, virtual production and, uh, and much of that for real time video or video from video production is based on Unreal. That's for sure. Uh, I think Unity has the advantage had, um, I think it still has in a way to be uh, way, it's way easier to go down the code and uh, start playing with, um, you know, the um, shaders and code and 
try new things and uh, make it work as you like instead of following like the procedure that usually um, you know you have to follow for example in Unreal. Unreal has a of course way better um, rendering in a way, lighting system, but at the same time you know with my shaders uh, I used to have three years ago like uh, you know point clouds of uh, hundreds of millions of points running in real time that it was extremely hard and i've not seen done that in uh, unreal so yeah i guess now it's becoming hard to justify unity in a way but uh, at the time and even now you know i'm used to coding unity so that's what i use but uh, but uh, yeah it's uh, it was much easier to to customize and uh, play with it I just wanted to have a quick break to remind you that the recording of these episodes and many more great conversations with incredible experts are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just head over to my profile or the episode description, open up the link in bio, and pick your platform of choice. And now, let's get back to the show. You also mentioned, right, uh, through this journey, different technology uh, and tools that allow you right now to to capture reality, right? So there was photogrammetry first, uh, then you get basically when you get these point clouds, then you mentioned nerfs, and now there is Gaussian splatting. So are they all this? I mean, they are different, but are they all mm-hmm. the same? Can you maybe unpack them for us in the differences and how they can be used uh, based on your experience? Yeah. So, you know, I, before basically the point cloud, I guess, they were considered like, a, as I say, like a web product, a, a step you have to go before going into meshes because uh, for game engine and everything, meshes are the way to go usually. And, uh, but there has been a lot of, you know, development into this kind of volumetric capture um, technologies. And, um, you know, point cloud is the basic most simple way to think about volumetric capture is just points in space. And one good thing about point cloud is that they're very precise. So you have one point in space, it has a color, it has a position. But at the same time, when it often happened that in a scan, you don't have like uh, details in, the, in a certain area, for example, like a white wall, it's very hard to get points mm-hmm. into the white wall because you can't recognize the, the texture. So you end up with the hole everywhere, like a, not precisely uh, defining, um, you know, a, a model. I like those kind of, uh, you know, the, this kind of imperfection, but it is something that has to be considered, and uh, and they're easy to understand. I guess the point clouds. Uh, Nerf was a really interesting development. It is a really interesting development using, you know, even uh, kind of AI like. <clears throat> neural, neural processing on that to get um, uh, some sort of fields, light fields to, to basically define an image. So, but the, the issue with NERF was that it was extremely hard to work with with the real time engine, especially because you know I'm not just doing rendering simply, but I, I like to create like particle system, very dynamic thing. And uh, while they they had so many advantages though compared to point clouds because you had like reflections you could do that in a in a very interesting way and gsplot it's something that came out not i mean in uh, in real time engine there had been papers before but 
let's say, become mainstream not that long ago. I think a few months ago, it was something that started basically there. And uh, he has, it's really interesting because it, it has some aspects of nerve in the way that they can, um, they are basically, instead of points, uh, they're rendered kind of like um, blobs. I call it like transparent blobs putting one on top of each other, I guess, to create this kind of image. And um, they can be a bit blurry in a way, but then you have this ability to put them one on top of each other and create these really, really realistic images that kind of have reflections and uh, different kind of, you know, uh, um, very interesting way of visualizing that. And they are extremely easy to uh, manipulate in the real-time engine. So that's why I started, you know, taking my mm. libraries for point clouds and applying that to Gsplat. And uh, and they basically work. There are some things to consider. At the same time, I think you know, especially if as an artist right now, I'm pushed to Gsplat because they look very realistic. But at the same time, I think there's you know there is a space for both kind of aesthetic, the, the point cloud aesthetic. You know, you know, Ruben, let's let's give it a sec because maybe I, we also got a little clip of some of your uh, mm -hmm. experiment from not long ago, so that people could get an impression of what we are talking. Yeah, this was one of, the, I guess, the the first experiment that I did trying to bring the my point cloud libraries of explosion to the gsplat mm -hmm. and um yeah it looks extremely real I, in the, i used to have like similar highly detailed detailed model in point cloud but they are extremely heavy because they were very high density point clouds so you couldn't see like the the the, the, the hole in that while uh, this kind of this structure is quite easy to render but it's also easy to manipulate so that's mm -hmm. really, really fascinating what we can do. And, you know, telling you about the technology, about Gsplat and all these things, there are so many developments coming, like, basically every week. So it's so fascinating because we have seen, like, 4D, um, 4D Gaussian Splats, that is basically animation of a captured three-dimensional animation, uh, even avatars. I don't know if you've seen that as well, but I missed that. Are... Honestly, that and the, I'm not surprised that I missed that because the point is how do you yeah. keep up with everything? <laughs> it, it is true that there is so much development going on, and there are no basically. Uh, there's just basically Luma Labs and Polycam, and then there are you basically have to install your own solution. No commercial software available, so it's really. Uh, and, and I think there is going to be like started an explosion of uh, a volumetric content volumetric art coming for sure and i agree and this it's a think the perfect bridge to the next question meaning if someone wants to start learning and playing around with this what are the best way to go beyond oh i have a nice nice plus on luma labs or polycam what can i do with it how can i learn to do more with it there are you know um there are repo on GitHub of, um, of you know library to render point clouds and that's basically um, to render gsplats and um, they're quite complex in a way how they work but uh, you can connect your pieces and that's what I did basically I, I took the 
uh, the basic renderer, and then I connected my shaders. I guess, you know, it's getting easier because there are solutions. I know in Unreal, plugins are available to render uh, GSplots in Unity as well. Once you have everything running, you know, with GSplot, you can push it there with shaders. So it's complex to learn about shaders. So it's something that, you know, in most people, maybe they're not as interested in going into this kind of uh, uh, very technical, very complex uh, thing, way of rendering. But, um, but yeah, I guess starting from uh, uh, trying in a real-time so, engine and yeah, then step-by-step. Step. Yeah. Understood. And so, Ruben, one of the things also that uh, I've actually learned when I was doing some some research is now you uh, work at Jadu uh, yeah. AR, right? Uh, as head of cinematic. Maybe can you briefly tell us about Jadu and what's your role there as a creative technical artist, right? Because that's a bit how now we, <laughs> we can call you. Yes, we have been a company um, mostly based on AR. So uh, at first, last before two years ago, it was about uh, even NFT, uh, Web3, and uh, creating a collection of uh, uh, avatars, 3D avatars, with the idea of having them um, play in augmented reality, in an app for augmented reality. <clears throat> the issue with that, though, has been that Apple hasn't been as uh, open to the Web3 NFT world. So we had to kind of uh, reimagine our, um, you know, our uh, goal for the at least for now, and uh, we are creating a multiplayer uh, AR fighting game. So it's something that not I don't think anyone else has tried because the other AR experiences as games for a smartphone you go with Pokemon Go I guess, but it's not actually AR. So we are, now we are building, we have around 40, 40 people around uh, working at Jadu, and we are building this uh, AR fighting game, slowly putting things together and working like that. At Jadu, I do cinematics, so everything that basically every video or some or um, images or something like this coming from Jadu is usually is something that I work on. As well as doing some concept art, concept ideas for uh, AR interaction and uh, and uh, yeah, creating things art for the app. So I'm mostly doing art in the yeah, Charlie, yeah. And you mentioned that actually there was also the trailer for the whole project you worked in, you worked on, right? That was uh, the project was with Michael Bay, correct? Yeah, it was, it was. And uh, I remember it was really, really. Um, Shocking in a way when we had our first meeting. Ruben, let's so, do one uh, thing. Let's should we show or maybe I leave it up to you. Should we show the trailer before or after? Oh, um, we want to show it's right fine. Now. Yeah, it's a long story. A small clips is fine, I guess. But uh, yeah, okay, we can see. go through the beginning and then we can cut it halfway so that people mm-hmm. at least get an impression. Yeah. The shockwave rumbled through the black vacuum of existence, and with it. What bone matter, energy, and time. Matter became the body, and the first five emerged. Energy became the heart, and the first five were imbued with unimaginable power. 
and time became their mind. And with it came their first memory. A message of a distant world, rich in beauty and full of life. This message became the foundation of a great civilization of Evas. So that was the yes. intro, right? Uh, so it, it you was, were talking yes. about working on 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 that with uh, uh, how did you work with Michael we, Bay there? Yes, with Michael Bay. So we had this collection of Eva. That it was an NFT connection, and uh, there was the Eva, and we had the Beva as well. That it was basically the collaboration with Michael Bay. So mm -hmm. uh, we have a set of characters that that were based with. Uh, with a lot of input, honestly, a lot of feedback was coming from Michael Bay. And we, I, I was kind of surprised, to be honest, that, uh, you know, it wasn't just a name uh, to add to the collection, but he was really, really uh, invested. I guess he's just this kind of person that everything he had, he's following is really, really following. And uh, it has been interesting because he's the most chill person, really normal, I mean, normal guy that you can talk to. And uh, I guess, I mean, if you actually work with them, with him, like into some kind of project, maybe it's different, but for us, it was really, really cool. And uh, I remember our meeting, I mean, calls, and uh, he was really helpful in figuring things, how to make it more cinematic, how to create moments. And uh, yeah, and it's honestly, it's pretty amazing guy, and uh, it, it was really interesting to to make this project with him. Yeah, I I want to kind of like uh, move a bit from all the your the current work, and and more ask moving to how you see the vision moving forward. And one of the topic is is AI. Do do you use AI as part of your creative process right now? And if so, how? I use it not as heavily. I mean, I'm I'm really fascinated by AI. I use ChatGPT a lot. I really, I'm uh, kind of addicted to that, and uh, I'm using all the you know stable diffusion, Midjourney, and all this uh, software basically for con mostly for concepting, you know, for creating concepts to try and figure out colors, idea, and uh, I I've seen amazing work to be AI being using like a production and uh, they are really impressive. Uh, I would like to see, uh, to, to test some ideas with point clouds and uh, processing them through AI. But at the same time, I every time that I use AI, I feel like I'm, um, it's kind of easy to just uh, let the AI do their, his thing and create basically um, something that you cannot control as much. And, and then you accept it because it looks already nice and lo looks so much better than you can maybe uh, figure things out. But um, I'm still trying to figure out, I'm really fascinated by that. But for now, it's basically just concept and, uh, and ideas and, uh, and learning things and talking with ChatGPT about creating like fake recipe or testing new recipe for food or something like this. This is 
something that I enjoy so much. But and, and that is also part of the creative process, right? It's a cooking yeah. process. But <laughs> you know, one yeah, for sure. But one of the things that I am uh, one thing that I'm using often AI though is for coding. So when I have something that um, you know, I, maybe I forgot something, or it's something that I do often and I don't remember well. I just asked ChatGPT about, you know, help me with this and trying to figure out. And what I like that is that very often is wrong, sometimes at least for, you know, shader recording. But that's the best part because when he's wrong, you can talk with him and, you know, figure things out and you say, okay, you told me this, but actually it's wrong. So it's like conversing with someone that is trying to teach it, exchanging information with someone. And I think this process of, uh, uh, trying, making mistake, and trying to correct, it's it gets maybe easier to uh, understand things instead of just getting like the the right answer that you were looking for. So this is something that I find fascinating. Yeah, I, I think it's two different ways. One is you are losing control and accepting the creative output, and the other is trying to figure out a solution to a problem. Uh, those are two yeah. different kind of task that you're trying to accomplish yeah. in a way. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. And uh, I like it for coding, especially for these, because you can see even when things work that maybe there are ways to do it better. But when it's purely artistic, it just brings you in a direction that maybe you accept, uh, but maybe you shouldn't even if, you, I don't know. It's something that is developing so fast and uh, it's so fascinating, but... Uh, yeah it's a really and moving yeah. moving again regarding future vision i've seen that you also have experimented with some ideas around uh mixed reality in on on vision pro some concept video of interacting and how would you play if you would be interrupted while playing skyrim how would it look like <laughs> if one would make a call right uh yeah. how do you because for sure oh yeah Please, sorry no go ahead no, no, I was saying because for sure it's going to be another uh, Skyrim for uh, Vision Pro. I'm pretty sure it's going to. There must be. There must be. Yeah. Listen to us. Please make it. Make it happen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the question is, how do you actually see XR be part of your creative vision? Yes. I mean, I'm, I love to do concept. Uh, concept uh, Basically, everything that is concepting about interaction. And uh, I started doing this, and I think I'm going to do way more after, you know, in the coming years or something. Uh, not just doing visual ethics, but trying to figure out how to, you know, to interact, especially for um, Vision Pro and everything that is coming now that has this volumetric component. So this is extremely fascinating, and I think, I've always, in all this year, making visual effects with uh, volumetric and seeing things move. And uh, I feel like I can give, um, I don't know, uh, something into this direction for uh, yeah, concept art, concept, no art, concept, just UI, UX uh, for, uh, for AR, XR. Um, I haven't, unfortunately, done much in uh, terms of uh, actual software or, uh, you know, gaming or something i had so many people ask me when it coming coming something coming in from you know your style in vr uh, i'm actually doing now and it started a couple of years ago a documentary with my on using my point clouds in vr so this is hopefully it's coming next year is a 
pretty big project, so we are still we're working on this. I cannot say much, but uh, it's like a very long experience uh, in VR with my point clouds. Cool. But, uh, I mean, yeah. no, Ruben, you need to tell me when it's coming out. <laughs> I, I really want no because one of the thing, one thing that you have done is also created these uh, a render in three hundred and sixty, so that people could yeah. really, so there was like dissolving realities, and it was in a three hundred and sixty environment. You couldn't interact with that, right? So you were going through the whole experience. But I could totally imagine, like the magic in having a form of interactions with those particles, with your hands, with your body, and see how they move around. That would be like really incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the, issue, the big issue until now was how to render points in a in a good way because you know we think about VR and uh, we imagine like this future of uh, yeah. We have this image in our mind, I guess, of extremely realistic, futuristic thing. But in reality, you know, the processor inside a VR headset, they are kind of smartphone. Smartphones are fast now, but it's even less than that, considering everything. So rendering, especially points clouds, is tricky. And uh, I think it's going to change a bit with Gsplot, but, uh, but it's not the easiest thing. It's coming, but it's going to be a bit more, a bit harder than uh, you know render that's why we haven't seen as much into this direction um i've done like 360 videos uh music video uh and uh, this was a, a really interesting way to understand depth. even i it, it wasn't like stereoscopic it was mono but uh, i have a stereoscopic version as well and uh, yeah i learned a lot from that how to to do things in uh in um, yeah, in VR and uh, trying to push this kind of uh, reality, but I don't really want to uh, as well the compromise and you know decreasing the number of points to be everything uh, easier to run because otherwise it's it quite authentic. Yes, yes. So it has to be all these points falling, and uh, there are good things into you know, <clears throat> sorry uh, remote rendering and uh, other solutions for that. But uh, yeah, let's hope we can push so, VR Ruben, more. Let's do this. Keep us, keep me in the loop first. <laughs> that I could get a, get a sneak peek of some of this uh, great work. And of course, I wish you guys uh, and you best of luck uh, at Jadu, but also in your own creative journey, exploring this new technology and trying to stay up to date with everything that is coming because uh, that is uh, that is an impossible yeah. in itself. 100%. It's too hard. So much going on. Every time. Ruben, thank you so thank much. You, thank you yeah. very much for being with us. Thank you very much for listening in. And remember to head to YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts and check out more insightful conversation revolving around XR and AI. And if you really like the show, please leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. It really helps me keep doing this and shine the spotlight on the latest and greatest advancement in XR and AI. Till next time. Thank you.